to Book Talks Podcast. It's Kayla. And Marissa. And it's been a long time since we're recording, but we're really excited because this is our first episode ever recording in person. Ever. Like, literally, we started this podcast during quarantine when I was in Arizona. And I was in New York. And it took 10 months for me to find my way back. She's been in New York for three months, but we haven't recorded an episode because it was tax season. Yes. So now tax season is over, Marissa's here, and we're recording. And this podcast, we're going to talk about the Crush series, specifically Covet, but talk about Covet, we talk with the other two first. So we're not going to really do a synopsis of this book because it's kind of hard to explain all three books in one shot, but I feel like we should talk about why we decided to read this book and... Well, first of all, Kayla, what's so special about today's episode? Wait, what is so special? We, we got it from the publisher. Oh, I was hoping we were not going to do that part. Oh! <laughs> Just not say anything. Oh! Well... Because we had other publishers and us other ebooks. I don't that's wanna, true. Like, that's true. Get anybody mad. But this one's exciting because we both got a copy of the physical hard book of Covet, which we both Wait, coveted. Wait, you start over, though, because now we're not making any sense. <laughs> Maybe I need more wine. You take it from here. Okay, so this episode is really exciting because this is one of the first times we received a physical book from a publisher, both me and Marissa, so we were really excited about that because I feel like we kind of made it we a did. little bit. We made it. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, we have gotten copies before of Kindle versions, and then we got last week's book from the author, so it's not like the first thing we've ever gotten, but this one was special because it's in a series, it's kind of like Twilight, it's a big deal, and uh, yeah, we, we both, when we got this copy, were like, wow, we've we've actually made it. And it's a thick book, too. Oh, it is thick. <laughs> and I bought the other two books in the series. I pre-ordered both of them, and I waited for them to release, so I was excited to get this in the mail the day the book came out. Yeah. And it is one of the longer books I've read this year because unlike Kayla, I like to keep my books around 350 to 400 manageable pages. And this bad boy was a good 690. Yeah, it was up there. I just came off reading the Akatar series, so I've just been reading 700-page book after 700-page book. <laughs> so I really need... Actually, I just read X-Talk, so that was like a little break from the 700-page book, and I breezed through that because I was so used to reading 150 pages a night and getting only 20% done of the book, whereas I read 150 pages of X-Talk, and I was like, you're 50% done, and I was like, oh, <laughs> stop. That's got to be a good boost for your ego, though. <laughs> I'm getting those pay- those uh those numbers in for Goodreads. Well, so we're really in a big fantasy mood, if you haven't realized. With Akatar and we're, the Crush series, we're just kind of living... We're going back to our roots, mm-hmm. and we're reading fantasy again. Which is the reason why I found this series... It was an ad on Instagram when I found it out, and it was advertised kind of like Harry Potter and Twilight, which is two series that me and Marissa both love, and I feel like it's two series we both made us fall in love with reading. And it kind of is like that. It has that love that's so, so passionate, it'll take a bullet for some and that vampire love and internal like we're gonna live forever and love each other forever love and it also has the harry potter aspect where it's a boarding school for supernaturals and christ is kind of the chosen one mm-hmm. the chosen gargoyle the chosen gargoyle <laughs> i just I, when i think of gargoyles i think of a statue and i know that's what it is but like i don't i'm not i don't fear a gargoyle and i'm just like i'm a badass gargoyle <laughs> I, I kind of die inside a little bit there's just so many, like, she's in a school of dragons and vampires. Witches. And she's a gargoyle. She just, she's stone. <laughs> and she says something at one point, oh, Hudson only loved me for my gargoyle. And I was like, 
Grace, I really think that's the last reason he loved you. <laughs> also, your goal as a girl would be like kind of like dainty and cute, and and she's over there with like thousand pound bricks. <laughs> We'll talk about Crush first. And I read this almost a year ago, so I might forget some main parts, but I'll just talk about the gist. So Grace, her parents die, and her only living relative is up in Alaska, and he is the president or principal of the Supernatural School. Headmaster. Um, headmaster. He's Dumbledore, basically. Yeah. But not as cool as Dumbledore in any way. No. <laughs> Dumbledore was like... He knew everything. This guy... Uncle Finn? Uncle Finn is clueless. He's clueless. But adorable. And he loves Grace. And he's very nice, but he has no idea the war that's brewing. And he's letting these teenagers fight it for him. Whereas Dumbledore like, left all these little head messages. Whatever. I'm recently listening to the audiobooks of Harry Potter while I work. So I'm also in that phase. So Grace goes to Alaska, and no one tells her she goes to a supernatural school. Like she just shows up in its normal boarding school, and everyone's just hiding this from her, and all this weird stuff's kind of happening, and then I forget how she found out. I think when people are trying to kill her, yeah. attack her, kill her. So that's all happening. Oh, the underlying plot was they all knew that Hudson's ex-girlfriend was going to kill Grace yeah. and resurrect him. Yeah. So that's all going on. But I think the big thing from that book, the big takeaway is her love with Jackson. Oh, yes. So she's mated with Jackson. Mm-hmm. Also, I love the whole mate thing. I don't <sighs> know why. I guess that I always think like everything happens for a reason. And I always think, like, oh, you'll find your person. And it's like I just go through life currently. So whenever there's like mates in books, I love it. I'm like, yes, the destiny is spoken, whereas Marissa hates mates. I just feel like it takes away your choice as an individual. I get I get their rules around the mating bond where both people have to be open and willing to it and whatever. But like if I was just mated to someone, first of all, what if they were ugly? What if they ended up having a really bad... Okay, they're hot, and so I'm open to it. And then I find out they're a serial killer. And now I'm mated to this person for life. I totally don't have a choice in it. I feel like it's biology, though. Like, you're just, like, naturally... I'm naturally attracted to a serial killer. <laughs> that is fantastic. I, like, need you to read Akatari, too, because it's also very mate-based. And I just yeah. feel like... I've just been living in, like, my mate things, but... I mean, I feel like I normally make bad judgment calls on my, like, my, making decisions myself, so I might as well let the universe decide yeah. for me. They might do a better job. It probably knows better. <laughs> yeah, she falls in love with Jackson. Jackson and Hudson are brothers, so Jackson killed Hudson because he thought that Hudson was going to destroy everybody, but Hudson's ex-girlfriend was really mad about that, so she killed Grace's parents, so Grace came to school to then mate with Jackson. To then kill Grace to bring back Hudson to get back at Jackson. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of a snowball. (laughs) So that happens in the first book. At the end of that first book, though. Yeah, so at the end of the first book, Jackson and Grace are walking through the hall all happy giddy with the ex-girlfriend out of the picture. And then Jackson goes, I just pictured him like haunting the school. That is not what I pictured, but I'm not against it. I got to do it one of the Harry Potter ghosts. It's like, like all like white and just yeah. like moves around. And then Grace tries to protect Jackson. And at this point, she's not a gargoyle. Like, she's just a normal human. So she jumps in front of Jackson. And then I just pictured, like, the ghost coming to her and then her just turning to stone. And that's when I found out she's a gargoyle. Mm. 
but that is not what I picture. What did you picture? I thought he had a sword or some sort of weapon, and he's like bringing it down, and everything's happening in slow motion. And even though Grace has no supernatural powers, and Jackson probably could get away, she's like, "I'm just a weak little human, and I will sacrifice myself for an immortal vampire just because I made it to him." And she throws herself in front and puts her hand up. It's like Anna and Elsa when the bad guy is bringing his sword down, and Anna puts her hand up. No, that's not the vibes you got. <laughs> Those are the vibes I got. <laughs> I've never seen Frozen that much to know. Oh, really? <laughs> so yeah, that's basically book one. Do you want to go into book two? Because Marissa read Crush and Covet back to back. Yeah, I just finished Crush literally last week. So the second book, and I loved it. I have to say, the first book, Crave, I just read because Kayla recommended it. And I saw it all over Bookstagram. And it was kind of like Twilight. And so I was like, okay, I'll read this. And it was fine. And I liked it. But crush. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it starts off. Grace turned into a gargoyle and she was in this stone form for four months. And apparently during that time, Hudson was in her head. But when Grace comes back to life, which we don't really know how that happened. I think she just decided. Yeah, she just decided to come back. She had the choice the whole time and she chose finally after four months to come back <laughs> whatever I don't want to come back either if someone just tried to kill me I'd be like I'm going to save in this no. nice little cloud <laughs> except she was staying in the cloud with the guy who tried to kill her there's a lot of holes in this plot that I yeah. just I kind of get lost there are some things that aren't developed and one of those is what happened during those four months but regardless Grace comes back and at first you know she's got amnesia and she can't remember anything that's going on and some weird things are happening she wakes up covered in blood one night and then other things start ooh what happening you have. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is my build-up voice, you know, I'm getting to the good part. <laughs> okay, so maybe this is why I need a mate, so that they can't get away from me. So, eventually, though, Grace realizes Hudson is actually in her head. So, Jackson's brother, keep in mind, she's mated to Jackson, and Jackson tried to kill Hudson, and Hudson came back from the dead and tried to kill Jackson, and now Hudson's in Jackson's mate's head. It's all so complicated. My favorite part was whenever she would go to kiss Jackson, it like, would just be like magnets, it wouldn't, it wouldn't connect. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, her and Hudson end up becoming friends. They banter back and forth, and they're really witty and sarcastic, and they're not really friends at first. And also somehow Hudson is British, but Jackson's Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't I do think in a British accent when I read Hudson's line. <laughs> But why does Hudson have a British accent? Because he grew up with his parents in London where right, Jackson right, right. grew up with a blood letter. Right. And then there's the blood letter. Whenever he's like bloody mad or something like that, I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, Hudson, lay it on there. <laughs> I, love, I love how she describes anytime he gets more mad, he gets more British. <laughs> and I picture Hudson as just a short guy. I don't know why. I don't even think he's described as short. No. But he gives off short guy energy. But so Grace is decided like short curly hair. And I this picture Hudson being a couple inches. <laughs> Even though I know I think he's described as tall and lean, yeah. I just like he's the vibe that he's giving me is short guy <laughs> confidence. I think it's because he's so arrogant and sarcastic. <laughs> He's making up for the height he's lacking. Even though he's not lacking any height, but in my head he's lacking height. So he's just, yeah. He's like witty and confident and funny. He's like the perfect the guy you friend zone. Yeah, <laughs> he is definitely the guy you friend zone. But yeah, so Jackson and Hudson are princes of the vampire court. And they have a really powerful 
creatures. Yeah. Um, also, there used to be gargoyles on this this particular circle, but the vampire Jackson and Hudson's dad killed them all and graces the first gargoyle and she happens to be mated to the king's son and oh. now she's trying to be a gargoyle queen and have jackson be her king i do think of it as she's weirdly mated to a vampire where you think that's weird the other mate combinations have been the same yeah all the couples in the circle the main couples are all mated to each other that's true you have to be made to be on this on this circle that's very true i don't so i don't know the rules the rules on mating because like, then can you mate with a with a giant Ooh. oh i don't want to mate with a giant honestly i don't even know how long we've been talking summarize crush real quick <laughs> okay so- real quick hudson is in grace's head Grace and Hudson have tension. Jackson doesn't like it. They need to get Hudson out of her head. To do that, they have to win the Ludari's tournament because they need a special... They need the bloodstone. They need a heart of a a bone of a dragon. They need a fang of a werewolf or something. I don't know. They need something from each, like, fraction. And so there's this Ludari's tournament they have to participate in, which is kind of like the Triwizard Tournament in Harry Potter. A little different, but kind of that vibe. And so basically the whole book is focused on getting Hudson out of her head. But as time goes on, Grace starts to realize maybe Hudson's not the bad guy after all. And it's really sweet. But the big thing I think at the end of that book, what happens is Jackson and Grace's mating bond is broken. Because Jackson just threw the instructions on how to Ugh. break it out in a garbage can Jackson. at school. Right before the last for last Ludorities were herself, her mating bond is broken, so she's heartbroken. And then... But then this also sets Hudson free when the mating bond is broken. So then Hudson fuels all her power into her. Mm-hmm. And then Cyrus, which is Hudson Jackson's dad, bites her. And it's a, the death bite. Mm-hmm. So then Hudson just tears down the stadium to pieces, to dust. Yep. And, and also Cyrus's bones to dust. So then somehow Hudson figures out if you bury Grace alive, she'll live. <laughs> And then at that point, when he touches her to bury her alive, is when they get mated. Yeah, so at the end of Crush, she's now mated to Hudson. Because Jackson tries to kiss her when she rises from the dead of her buried alive hole. <laughs> and Hudson was like, don't touch my mate. Yeah, and that's how the book ended. And that's how Crush ended. I do like this series. I would put this series more on the scale of Twilight. Yeah. Harry Potter. Harry Potter is kind of classic and it it will never get old. Whereas Twilight was great when I was 16. I think this book would be really great if I was 16. Yeah. I think at 24, I read it as a guilty pleasure, but it's not one of her books recently. It's too easy, I think, to pick apart. Whereas Harry Potter... Harry Potter for me was tied together so seamlessly that I just felt like it was planned out from the start. Even though I don't think J.K. Rowling planned it out from the start, by the time you got to the end, you're like, oh, did she know where this was going the whole time? Everything kind of clicked. Yeah. Whereas we're three books in over, and there's only, I think there's only one more book after this, and I still have so many unanswered questions. A lot of unanswered questions. I wonder, I really wonder how, what's going to unfold in the next book. Yeah. I also 
just feel like she, they just keep it adding onto the plot as and opposed not resolving the initial yeah. plot. I agree. I guess this kind of jumps into Covet. But, you know, the first book was all about Grace and Jackson. Gave you very much Bella Edward vibes as far as they had to be together. This was an eternal love. It was super passionate. Then book two, you have the conflict with Hudson Bean in her head. I guess you could consider this, you know, the Jacob of the Bella Edward. The love triangle. Yeah, the love triangle. But when they broke the mating bond, what I thought would happen in Covet was that Grace would still love Jackson, <laughs> even without the mating bond. And the first 15 pages start off that way. 15 pages. <laughs> but then literally without warning, Grace is pro-Hudson. I'm going to jump his bones. I'm going to get in his bed. Like, just only wanted Hudson. And Jackson becomes a nobody in this book. He just feels like a bystander watching her fall in love with yeah. Hudson. Which, imagine Edward just watching Jacob and Bella fall in love. <laughs> I, I feel like he was just, he, he ran away. Like, he couldn't. Although, like, I do understand, like, Grace was seeing the good in Hudson, like, in Crush. So, like, I feel like it was building up there. I just feel like, I feel like the whole mission of breaking her and Hudson's bond was dumb. She probably yeah. should just, like, accepted it. I don't know why she was so hellbent on breaking her bond with Hudson. Because it was obvious at the end of Crush that she loved Hudson. I don't know if she was just in denial about that. Grace and Hudson go to the blood letter, who basically raised Jackson, to find out a way to break their bond to, to so she can reunite with Jackson again. But we find out you really can't break a bond, but she's like, well, how did me and Jackson break? And the blood letter goes, oh, I made that bond. Mm-hmm. So we find out that her mating bond with Jackson was basically fake. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't understand why she just didn't tell Jackson. I don't know either. I feel like it would help him cope. Yeah. Like, him thinking that his like, one soulmate is gone. So easily abandoned him. <laughs> like, I would think, I'd, I feel like if I found out that, like, oh, this soulmate is manufactured and I can still find my real yeah, mate out there. because he has better. a real mate out there. Somewhere. So, yeah, that really kind of makes me mad. I think Grace just has an ego and wanted to hold on to both boys. I think so, too. She's very full of herself. She is. <laughs> she thinks that being the chosen one... You know, Harry Potter was always like, oh, I'm the chosen one, but I don't really want it. Grace is like, I am the freaking chosen gargoyle, and you will bow to my gargoyle queen self. Her inner monologue is a little rough sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember she's, like, literally 16. Yeah. So we find out once that bond is broken, though, with Jackson, that his soul is being basically it was the bond was holding up his soul. And now the bond's gone. His soul is dying. But Grace's soul isn't dying because she like quickly jumped onto the Hudson train. <laughs> she rebounded quickly. <laughs> so, but like, what do you think? Like, oh, if I break a real mating bond, don't you think Hudson's going to die? That's what I was thinking. I was like, how selfish is she? Like, she knows this destroyed Jackson. And she's just going to be like, mm, Hudson, now it's your turn. <laughs> like, like, and she's like, and Hudson will do And she just like expects Hudson to be down with it. And I think she was low-key looking for validation from Hudson. Yeah. The whole time. But I'm like, she's, he's been in love with you since like yeah. day one. Like, girl, get a clue. Yeah, he loved her before. 
before that mating bond snapped into place. And he and you can save Jackson's soul without breaking your bond. Okay, okay. That this is this was like my number one complaint. This gets my blood boiling. The whole point of Covet was to get the crown, this missing crown that's been missing for thousands of years that Cyrus has been searching for for thousands of years and can't find. And these little punk freaking 16 year olds think they're going to find it. Fine, whatever. I'll get on board. I'll jump into the fantasy. Grace wants to use that crown not to restore Jackson's soul, which would be the obvious answer, but to break her bond with Hudson, to ruin Hudson's life, and then restore her bond with Jackson, who at this point she doesn't even care for. And she's like, yeah, I could be with him and have a good life, I guess. We'll just get this crown and do that. That's fine. And I also just think that her and Hudson are more compatible. Like, Yes! Jackson wants like a... Like a little wife that will like let him that wants to be protected by him. He's a protector. He's all macho man. Whereas Hudson's all me too, me too, like us equals. And like I feel like Grace is so Grace, confident girl who now she has superpowers. She can handle herself. Like she doesn't want to be protected. She wants to be respected almost. And I'm not. I feel like I'm talking about this bad. Like not that Jackson's a bad person and didn't respect Grace. It was just different things of what you want. And I just feel like it was. He was a good match for her when she was, like, her human self and she had no powers and her parents just died and she was, like, going through this loss and she just, like, needed someone to, like, coddle her. Mm -hmm. Whereas now she's going to be gargoyle queen. She needs someone who's going to push her to be better. Right. The part I hated the most was the jail. The jail? (laughs) Yeah. I just thought it was ridiculous. It wasn't even a jail. It was a whole underground society where people gambled and traded coins and I don't even know. (laughs) To be fair, the book is a little all over the place, I would say. Yeah. Like, if we're being honest, I don't know if Grace maybe has ADD or something. (laughs) I can say that because Kayla has it. I have ADD. (laughs) But she's a little all over the place in what they're doing. One second, they're like, we got to get this crown to do this. And the next, they're like, let's go dancing at the Dragon Ball. <laughs> the fate let's of the world. ice cream. <laughs> the fate of the world doesn't matter. Get me those tacos. <laughs> Literally, they were at the, they were trying to break out of the prison. They had eight hours to do so. And Grace is like, oh, I want tacos. <laughs> Not just that. They spent money that they desperately needed to get out of the prison on tacos. <laughs> Yeah. It's really, like, we do enjoy this book. We do. But it is easy to make fun of because <laughs> we're talking about just teenagers <laughs> that are trying to save the world in gargoyle form. And, like, where are the adults in all of this? Where are the adults trying to save the world? Why does it come down to a 16-year-old? Who, like, who, again, this is kind of like Harry Potter. Her parents died. She's the chosen one. It's like, it reminds me of, like, how Harry, po- Harry, Hermione, and Ron just, like, went off into the middle of the woods, like, we're going to save the world. And they're all like, good luck with that. Okay, fate of the world is on your shoulders. <laughs> so, throughout, like, basically the whole journey is to go, they're trying to get this crown, so they end up first going to the giant's village and they meet this woman who who made who apparently giants are known for their uh, metal work work, yeah who and they're the ones who made the chains on the unkillable bees we we haven't even talked about the unkillable bees (laughs) there's this unkillable beast in this cave in a faraway (laughs) land and he's a gargoyle and he has these cuffs on him that make him stay in gargoyle form. So he's been a gargoyle for a thousand years to the point where he's kind of insane. He's a rock. 
He's a full-fledged lock. He's kind of insane. So to freak him out, they have to find out who made these cuffs. So they go to the giant's land, which brings in the whole beanstalk and the peas. <laughs> <laughs> that whole yeah. childhood story. <clears throat> and they find this woman who was made to the guy who made the cuffs. And she's like broken just like sobbing like her tree is shaking because she's sobbing and we find out that when you're not what you're mate you feel like you're dying mm-hmm. it's like the worst pain in the world and this girl was gone from her mate for a thousand years and like she just cries every day a thousand years later so during all the time jackson i mean hudson has a warrant out for his arrest from his father so his dad's just like any anybody who steps a toe out of line they're like going to jail so Jackson's a warrant out to his arrest. And also the jail is like unbreakable. So we find out that the giant who made the cuffs is in jail. And Hudson's a warrant out for arrest. And then Grace is like, when he goes to jail, go with him. Mm-hmm. So we basically find out that like Hudson and Grace are going to go to jail at some point in this book. After that, they go to the dragon court. And uh, there's a lot of little plot twists there that are. can say. So Flint is <clears throat> Grace's like bestie who tried to kill her in the first book. He is the prince of the dragon court. They go home for like a dragon festival, which takes place in New York. And the minute they arrive, the dragon queen's kind of BFS with Cyrus. And also Hudson kind of killed her other son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Worth mentioning. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, Hudson killed her other son. <laughs> But I was like, we all jerk. Yeah. So um, Hudson was really the nice guy in the situation. <laughs> but the minute they walk into the dark court, she sends him kind of to, to the dungeons, which is jail. And then Grace fights her and then gets Hudson out. And then they all just like enjoy a festival. Uh, yeah. They didn't leave after that offended. They were like, let's stay now and celebrate with these people who just jailed Hudson. <laughs> Also throughout this, so yeah, like Grace wants to stay with uh, with Jackson like the first ten seconds of the book, and then after that she starts being friends with Hudson. Like she gets Jackson's blessing. Uh, Hudson buys her a promise ring in Giant's mm-hmm. Land, which was like zero to a hundred. Yeah. This girl doesn't even know if she likes you, and then he's like, "Oh, here's the here's a basically a wedding ring." Yep. I feel like Jackson and Grace had some development in crush at least. Yeah, there was like a build up. Yeah. Like, there was, like, a date or two, whereas, like, (laughs) her and uh, Hudson were like, hmm, we're just gonna do this. And they're just doing it with Jackson watching them. Yes, the whole time, Jackson's just in a corner, soulless and sad, and watching. (laughs) Watching his brother and his ex-girlfriend just make love eyes at each other. Yeah. It's kind of just... It, I felt bad for him. I don't even lie. I'm not even Team Jackson. Like, I'm Team Hudson here, and I felt bad for Jackson. I am Team Hudson, and this entire book, I was like, Grace, what are you doing? Like, you loved Jackson, or you, th- or you, I guess you thought you did. I guess maybe it was just the mating bond to her, but I don't think it was. They were having issues in Crush. They were having issues in Crush because she had his brother's... Well, I guess he was getting overprotective. He I wasn't get- letting her do anything. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, I guess the author wrote it that way so that we'd become Team Hudson. And I was Team Hudson. I just felt like this book was so unfair to Jackson. It was. <laughs> Poor Jackson. So by the time they get to the Dragon Court, her and Hudson are like, uh, they do it. that's when they first do it. We don't get any details. They literally just be like, oh, they did it. I had some issues with that scene. <laughs> what was your issues? The whole biting? She wrote the biting scene like that was a sex scene. But then, like, the sex scene was just like, oh, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> also, I just don't think I'd be cool at someone just, like, sucking my no. blood. No. 
I just don't really think I would. I, I wouldn't it tickle. Like it's like your neck is kind of ticklish. I don't think it would tickle. I think it'd feel like when you get your blood taken. I don't really want to get my blood taken, especially out of my neck. Don't you get like lightheaded? I mean, I cried. Like I feel like the thing that made like kind of Twilight realistic in the sense is that like, Edward didn't just feed on Bella for fun. He did it to like save her life or other situations where it was like. Hudson and Jackson are just like biting grapes mm-hmm. for fun. They're like, oh, like let's let's see what she's tasting like today. I'm just not into um <laughs> So that happens at the Dragon Court. Pretty much nothing really exciting happens ever besides like Grace and They and do it. Doing it. And she like I don't get her because like one minute he's like setting her dresses and then she's like all insecure because like other girls are looking at him oh and she gosh. gets like mad so she asks Flint to dance with her. I was like, how many ways does he have to show you he cares about you? Like I just don't yeah. get it. And then finally like they're dancing together. They like hotel room together. Plot twist. They have this like dragon parade in New York City in Times Square at the Mar- Marquee, which is <laughs> where we have our holiday work party. Yeah. But we don't have this invisible no block that's a big 50 feet up which I think I would be terrified to walk on I would wonder where it ended like (laughs) (laughs) you're walking along and then it just ends (laughs) yeah I don't know if I'd be cool I'm deathly scared of heights so just the thought of looking down like freaks me out so after the dragon court and her birthday we go to graduation so they found out from flint's mom that somebody has like gotten out of jail because basically the jail is like unbreakable you have to get out if you like atone atone so they go to this like witch who's supposed to help them and she gives them flowers that basically like it's kind of all like juliet and uh romeo where they like fake die and then they get carried out of the jail and then they just come back to life and they're (laughs) out so she gets like these three flowers put in her hand they come home just in time for graduation they go to graduation and then right after graduation cyrus arrests the two of them and then just with her wrench in there he also arrests flint to get back at the dragon queen they go to jail they ask for this guy remy remy they end up going to like which which also just like when they get there and flint's like we want remy why Oh, my mom told me. Like, by the, by the way, when the audience wasn't reading, my mom mentioned this guy, Remy. I just felt like, like, <laughs> like, there were too many ideas. Like, who is Remy? Where did he come from? Why did your mom mention him? Also a character I didn't think needed to be the girl that was the with girl. Remy. Like, there was no need for her. Calder or something? I don't even know her name. There was no need for her. <laughs> Literally none. She gave zero support. And she wasn't even that funny or interesting. I pictured like a, I don't know, a big burly animal, like half animal, <laughs> half person in the corner. But so Remy's there and he basically is like been visual. He's basically been seeing Grace as like kind of a prophecy like this entire time. that Like she's the answer to him getting out of jail. He kind of coordinates this whole escape route. Yeah. And while they're in jail, they're going to get the giant out as well. But Grace only has three flowers. And now it's her, Hudson, Flint, Remy, and the giant. And the girl. And the girl need to get out. So this is a whole big thing. They basically like there's a bunch of... Co- uh, Jail activities they participate in as well. <laughs> um, but the main thing is that they go to... What is the thing called when they get... like It's basically a roulette wheel, whoever gets tortured yeah. at night. But it's where they have to tone. Yeah, and you have to get it to go down to the pit, which is where the giant is. So they have to go down like all the levels. But I think that Cyrus is paying the jail to make it 
be there still every week and Hudson Flint and that girl are just tortured and they have yeah. to like relive their worst enemy which we found out Hudson is he kills Grace himself by okay. biting her yeah. and he basically re- has relived killing her like 10,000 times and and then Grace is like why won't he touch me <laughs> <laughs> Why won't you touch me? <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> so whatever, they go down to the pit. The whole like jail games, they weren't really needed, but they were needed because they needed to get money to buy their way out. Which also, if they could buy their way out in the beginner's place, like why? I don't. I just don't get it. I mean, well, the whole thing that eventually comes out when they, you know, get through all the tests, get through all the games, whatever, and they're they're on their way to get out. They basically learn. No one ever actually gets out because the last thing they have to get through is basically a Coliseum-style gladiator battle. So Grace and Hudson beat the two guys. So they get out. They, like, basically fight the guy would ever get out. But only the four of them get out. So it's only five of them get out? Five, yeah. So it's only Flint, Hudson, Grace, the giant, and that girl get out. And then Remy didn't include himself in the deal. But then in, also in Remy's vision, she's always vision getting out because of Grace's flower. And then Grace unlocks his power, gets the cuffs off of them. They leave. And I don't know if Remy's coming out or not. I don't know when Remy's coming out. He didn't, like, in the book, in this third book, we did not see Remy get out of jail. But we saw Remy have the power. I feel like he's going to tear the jail to pieces. He, he promised that they would meet again. Yeah. They get out of jail and go straight to the un beatable unkillable unkillable beast because the giant made the key for them and also in the eight hours that they have to escape he makes the magical key to get the unbeatable and then we get there and there's like this big war going on and at the war like flint gets hit flint's boyfriend gets hit jackson gets bit by his dad grace is aiming flint because she's like kind of a well for power is that a well maybe she's kind of like a the conduit she's the conduit of power so basically jackson dies saves flint and then flint's mom takes her dragon heart out and puts it in jackson's heart and saves his soul and his life (laughs) and now just flint's mom can't be a dragon anymore but she's still the dragon queen but so flint lives Lives without a leg. Yep. yep. He has only one leg left. Jackson's alive with the dragon heart. And he got a soul. And he got a soul. And then, but Flint's boyfriend's dead. Yeah. Oh, so while they're at this war with the unkillable beast, they get the crown. They have the gargoyle who's like basically lost his mind. He's like, Mm -hmm. I need to save her. But like, we don't know who her is. Which I think her is Grace. You think so? I think so. He has the crown in his hand that now he gives to Grace. They return to the school to find out there was even a bigger war there. And all of the children of of the school were taken. And it's basically the circle's way of controlling everybody. Because like, everyone's going to listen if all their kids are being held captive. Yeah. So that's how we end. What was the line last Hudson's last line that it's time for Grace to find out what kind of Oh, the emerald string? Yeah, so when in Crush, when he was in her head, he could see everything going on inside of her. And at one point they had a moment where she was discovering her gargoyle platinum string. And you know, she was digging through all the strings inside of her. I guess those are like all the things that make you who you are, like connections you have, whatever. I don't know. Her mating bond with Jackson was like double colored, which is how we know it was fake. Whereas her mating bond with Hudson's like a bright blue. And then she apparently has some emerald green string inside of her, which has absolutely no significance until the end of Covet when Hudson goes, I guess it's finally time I tell Grace what her emerald string means. I don't get why there's just so many secrets yeah. between the three of them. 
Like, I don't understand why Grace won't tell Jackson that their bond was fake. I don't understand why Hudson won't tell Grace what happened during those four months. We still don't know what happened. <laughs> why would he just tell her? I don't get it. It's clear she's not going to remember it. Like, just tell her. <laughs> We haven't done a podcast like this where we had a retelling, but I didn't really know how to talk about this book without just like oh telling it step by yeah, step. So much, yeah. so much going on. There, well, that's the thing. There is so much going on. I mean, it's a seven hundred page book. There's a lot going on, and I do think we hit the big points. Yeah, I think so too. What was your favorite point? Favorite part of the book? Oh, I think my favorite part is when Grace finally, finally chooses Hudson. She says a couple times during the book that she's not that she knows Hudson would never ask her to choose between him and Jackson. And Hudson has said, he, you know, he's not going to make her choose. And in Hudson's mind, it's because he thinks she'll choose Jackson. And she says to Hudson, you didn't want me to choose because you were afraid I'd choose Jackson, but I'd choose you and I choose you or something like that. And that was like, finally, 700 pages later, we have an answer. (laughs) She's choosing Hudson. I do think their relationship is, like, the reason why I do love this book. Yeah. Like, I, I am upset that it jumped, so, like, went from zero to 100 real quick. Mm-hmm. But I do, like, it does give me a purpose of reading. <laughs> and most books are. Like, I live for the romance. Like, I am a romance reader. Yeah. I do. Now I'm falling back in love with fantasy. But recently, like, I've just been reading romance books, so I live for that. So Hudson and Grace's relationship is giving me life. But I think it's my favorite part of the whole series yeah. at the moment is the two of them. Yeah, I definitely I definitely like their relationship. I think they're more equally matched as opposed to her and Jackson, which was a little unequal. And then too, just the fact that Hudson completely treats her as an equal. As a queen. Yeah, as a queen. And I don't know, like like the scene when they were fighting the giants in the prison I was so annoyed at Grace because I was like, I was like, she is nothing without her powers. She's going to get Hudson killed. And instead of having that attitude, Hudson's like, no, babe, you're the brains of this duo. Like, figure this out for us. And I was like, okay. So he totally respects her and knows she brings something to the table. I love when he got pissed at her for giving up. <laughs> she was like, I'm done. And he's like, he's like, the f- you're not. <laughs> Wait, I don't want to curse on the episode. I don't know how to use that word. <laughs> Bleep it out, maybe. <laughs> but she was so funny. She, it reminded me so much of me. She was like, but I'm tired. <laughs> it reminded me of Lily a little bit. <laughs> like, as the giants are trying to kill them, it's fine, I'll just die. I'm tired. <laughs> and he's like, no, you're not. Get your ass up. We're going to do this. We've gone too far for you to be like, I'm tired. <laughs> So no, it definitely does give you like, if you're missing your Twilight vibe, it definitely gives you your Twilight vibe this book. I had one quote Okay, from this book. Quote. This quote reminded me of you. That's why I marked it. It's when she's talking to Nuri, once mom, about vampires. And she said, you're wrong, Nuri. Vampires aren't cold. Just because they don't always show their love with flowery words doesn't mean it's not there. They don't just love with their hearts. They love with every part of their soul. A soul they would easily sacrifice without a thought for the one they love. It's an honor to be loved by so selfless a creature. Oh, you I think was, of me? I was like, that's Kayla. So I marked that's it. So <laughs> yeah. My mom probably also relate me to a vampire, but not for those reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I really did like this book. And I think there's a, 
I feel like even the best books, you want to pick apart a little bit and just point about things that yeah. make you, like, when we talked about Daisy Jones and the Six, we uh, were, like, heated. We were arguing. We had a heated discussion, and, like, we still love that book. So, yeah. like, we do really like this book. Well, that's the thing. What are we going to come on here and do? Like, just be like, yeah, I loved every single bit of it, and I just loved everything, and okay, thanks for listening. Like, no, we're going to yeah. pick at things because that's obviously more entertaining. Yeah, it definitely isn't going to be, like, the great read of right. 2021. It's definitely a guilty pleasure book. It's, it's not something you're reading in AP Lit. This is guilty pleasure, Twilight, yeah. teen romance. Like, you want your vampire crush? Like, here it is. If you're into blood sucking, we've got that for you. <laughs> if you are into a hot British vampire, this is the book for you. But he may be short, but he is powerful. <laughs> I don't really know how tall he is, but I really just give him the short five. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I obviously like it enough that I want to read the last book. I give this book a four. I gave it a three on Goodreads. I, it's just on par with Twilight for me, but slightly different. And almost maybe more juvenile. Not that, like, Twilight's an adult book, but I feel like this book is definitely teen, definitely high school. I feel like, I feel like Edward and Bella were a little more mature. They were. But, you yeah, know, I gave this book a four. I do enjoy it. Thank you so much for NBC Books for sending us a copy of Covet. We really enjoyed reading it. We really enjoyed the series. We're so excited for the next book of the series. I think it's coming out this fall. I think either September or October. So we'll be on the lookout for that next. But yeah, I definitely recommend reading the series. I feel like it is a light read. Like, it's not mm-hmm. too deep. And again, it has, like, your favorite things in it. It brings, like, your childhood books that you loved like, kind of together as, like, Twilight and Harry Potter. Really big. Really, a good, I'm a big fan of the series. Yeah, yeah, it's a good series. But yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to the Book Talk podcast. Let us know what you thought of the series, if you read it, if you plan to read it. Next week we're talking about Crescent City by Sarah J. Mass. This is Marissa's first Sarah J. Mass book, so mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Again, I just read Octar, so I'm like in her phase. We're in like our big fantasy spring, we call it. Yeah, we're gonna that's play. not a very catchy it's, <laughs> name. It's not a good hashtag, but book talks goes fantasy for the spring. Book talks <laughs> is springing into fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I get. <laughs> Book talks is bringing in a fantasy. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, this is Kayla and Marissa. Have a good day.